time of year, and I think it's good just to kind of step back away from life uh, and its demands and its stresses and all of that on this Sunday, and just focus on love, focus on our relationships, and I want to just add a little bit of value from the Word of the Lord uh, to our lives. And I will say this, in a crowd this size, I want you to look around, we've got a very good crowd here today. Uh, There are people at all different stations of life and all different places with regards to relationships. And whether or not you are married, whether or not you are in a love type of relationship with somebody uh, is really not the point this morning. The point is all of us have a responsibility to teach others the truth about love. Amen. So if that's grandparents to grandchildren or or parents to children or single parents to their children or maybe you don't have children or you've never been married, but, but we all are called to be ambassadors for Christ and to get a good handle on what the scripture says about love. And so I want to talk just for a few minutes in this service about true love. Everybody say true love. Now, I ran across a, uh, a saying the other day, and it, it says this, marriage is a workshop. Everyone say marriage is a workshop. And so maybe, maybe you can identify with this. Marriage is a workshop where the husband works and the wife shops. <laughs> Some of you ladies are like, I'm feeling that right there. Uh, did you know that love and marriage is in the animal kingdom, too? Chickens and roosters show us this. You'll see this. There's the single chicken, the married chicken, the single rooster, the married rooster right there. (laughs) Just leave that up and let that minister for a moment. (laughs) Some of y'all are going to be sitting this afternoon saying that picture of rooster was right on. If we want to really discover the truth about love, we have to reckon and reconcile in our minds that there are some myths or some falsehoods that too easily we can embrace about love. And and really, they don't square with what the Word of God says. A myth is a fabrication, something that is easily believed But it is not true. It does not have basis in truth. And so when it comes to this all-important subject of love, it is imperative that we look at the truth. Everybody say the truth. The Bible says that the truth makes you free. There's something liberating about knowing the truth. Uh, Now, too often, we can believe things that are just simply not true. For instance, Christopher Columbus never reached any land that now forms part of the mainline, mainland United States of America. Did you know that? Most of, our, of Christopher Columbus's landings, four different voyages, including the October 12, 1492 famous one, were in the Caribbean islands, not the United States of America. And yet he gets his own holiday. It's just not true. Did you know George Washington did not have wooden teeth? Have you ever heard that before? I grew up thinking our first president had wooden teeth. His dentures, according to people that knew this, were made of gold, hippopotamus ivory, lead and human and animal teeth, including 
horses and donkeys. So there you know. The truth. Everybody say the truth. Look at someone and say, I got to know the truth. I want to know the truth about love. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, truth number one. My spouse is not supposed to make me happy. There's so much going on right now. Some of y'all are wanting to say amen. But your spouse is sitting next to you right now. You don't know, should, should I say amen? He said it, so it must be right. But I don't know if it's right. To believe, to believe that the purpose of my marriage and the purpose of my love relationship with my wife is inherently to make me happy is a selfish notion. To believe that the reason why God brings a spouse into my life is simply to make me happy is based inherently in something that is selfish. This would be true if we were simply living for me gratification. It would be true if we were void of a relationship with God and we were not finding direction in the word of God. Let me give us some verses of scripture. Romans chapter number 8 and verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Watch this now. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, when we read the scripture that all things work together for good, that's an easy one to read. And yet Paul goes on to say, in everything that happens in your life, you must understand this, that his goal for your life is that you would be conformed into his image. And the only way I am conformed into his image is when I face difficulties and I deal with them in a healthy manner. Amen. And so the idea that our spouses are simply there to make us happy is not rooted in scripture, it's rooted in selfishness. Now, is there a happiness that comes with marriage? Absolutely. Is there a joy that comes in marriage? Absolutely. I think we saw that in this panel today. But we have to understand there's something deeper going on when God brings people together. The book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul goes on to say, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until... Christ be formed in you. Everybody say it with me. There's something bigger going on. There is something so much bigger going on than personal satisfaction. There's something so much bigger going on than just me being pleased. Marriage is God's real world portrayal of the relationship between Christ and his church. Now listen, if I could give a gift to every married couple here, it's understanding of that last statement. The purpose of marriage is that we would portray the relationship between Christ and his church. It's as though every married couple is a walking billboard today of Christ's relationship with his church. It's the way that Christ shows his relationship to the church in real living color today. The book of Ephesians chapter 5 
And verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands. That's always humorous to me. It doesn't say wives submit to a husband. It says wives submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And then he finishes this teaching, this discourse on marriage when he says in verse 32, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He said, I give all this instruction and I tell husbands how they ought to love their wives and wives how they ought to submit to their husbands. And what I'm telling you when I write this is revealing Christ and the church. Is that making sense to people today? Think about all of the aspects of Christian living that are found in a marriage. Commitment. Forgiveness. Trust. Faithfulness. And we in marriages are called by God to show that oneness. To show Christ and his love for the church through our marriages. So it has to be more than just personal satisfaction. There's something bigger going on. Truth number two. It is not my responsibility to change my spouse. In fact, if you want a surefire way to have difficulty in your marriage, try to change your spouse. Can you imagine? Well, let me just ask a question. Please, 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 look right here, Pastor. Do not raise your hand on this. <laughs> I'm giving you fair warning. Don't raise your hand. You don't even have to nod. Don't let there be a gleam in your eye. Just stand, stare at me like I'm some alien right now. But have you ever, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'm going to use my wife as an example since I'm the, the husband. I wish she was a whole lot more like me. Some of you are like, you are really on dangerous ground right now, Pastor. Be careful. I wish she would respond like I respond. I wish she would talk like I talk. But the truth of love, the truth of marriage is this. God did not give me the responsibility to change my spouse. Because if that was my responsibility, then I would just be large and in charge all the time. That is rooted in pride. Marriage is designed by God to be an example of how he uses two different people to accomplish his divine purpose. Amen. I want to show you a quote that I ran across recently about marriage, especially when it talks about our differences. And it really just got my attention. Here it is. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge our spouse by their actions. <laughs> How easy is it to do that? Well, I intended for that to come out differently. But then it's easy to judge the spouse for their actual actions. 
Another great, great quote, you and your spouse are created in the image of God. Marriage speaks to the world about the nature of God. Since Satan cannot hurt God, he will hurt you or us, his image or your marriage, his reflection. Understand today that Satan will interfere with our marriages in any way inhumanly possible. If he can't end the marriage, he will mar it to make it as imperfect a reflection of God as he can entice the two of us to make it. I want to throw a couple words that I think are one of the keys to marriage up on the screen. And it is this, mutual submission. Mutual submission. Stacy, can I have you come up here and join me on the platform just for a second? I love this gal. God blessed me with this lady. We were, I was thinking about all the comments that were set up there. 28 years ago, I met the Canadian of my dreams. <laughs> Looked all over the U.S. and couldn't find a wife, so I had to go to Canada to find her. But you will notice she's now in the United States, so God brings good things south. Um, when we talk about submission, and this is one of those words that can be kind of a taboo word because submission gets bad rap. It, people just don't understand it. And it's, you know, it's, hey, I'll tell you what submission is. That woman getting in line with what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you get up and make me coffee and cook me. That's submission, woman. <laughs> no, that's absurdity, brother. Yeah. <laughs> or... And this happens, whether we like to think this happens or not, her putting the thumb on me and saying, bless God, you're going to do what I say to do. I'm going to rule this roost. You just are every whim and fancy that I have. Tim, get after it. Do it. Yes, ma'am. That's not mutual submission, but God has designed marriage to be one that a husband and a wife mutually submit to one another. In the spirit of love and deference, not pride, not pride-based, but in the spirit of love. Referring, preferring one another, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submission is God's plan. Mutual submission is God's plan for a healthy marriage. Amen. Thank you, babe. You can be seated. To prove this, the wise proverb writer said it like this in the 17th proverb, verse 1. Better is a crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and conflict. He went on to say a foolish son, Proverbs 19, is the ruin of his father. And the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. It's not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. I told you you'd mess up. You're not good enough. I told you you mess up. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Told you you'd mess up. You're not good enough. I told you you'd mess up. You're not good enough. I told you you'd mess up. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good. Some of you are saying, "Go on. I understand. I'm proving a point here. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. No, 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 no. You can't do it. No, not good. Not good. Not good enough. Bad. Mm-mm. Bad. Uh-uh. Told you. Told you. I told you. I told you. No, bad. Mm-mm. No, not good. Not good enough. No, no. Stop. If we ever can get it in our spirits, brothers and sisters, 
That God is not calling us to change one another. He's calling us to mutually submit to one another. And to show the world this submission. The church is submitted to Christ. Jesus Christ submitted his life to the death of the cross. There is this mutual submission that if we live this out in our marriages, it becomes the anthem and the billboard for the world to see this redemptive story. There's something big going on here in our marriages, folks. There's something powerful going on. Everybody say mutual submission. Amen. Mutual submission. There is a verse of scripture that many times is referred to when talking about husbands and wives. And it's found in the second chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 24, that a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife. And then the scripture says, and the two shall become one. Everybody say become one. Have you ever realized that the becoming in marriage is many times the hardest part? As if a Saturday, 45 minutes, vows, a kiss, and cake changes everything. Really, it's just the initiation into the becoming process. And it is that mutual submission that brings the benefit. Truth number three, giving up is not the best option. It's not the best option. I am fully aware. This is why I ask you to give me liberty as I began preaching this sermon today that there are people at all different stations of life. So please, just give me that liberty, if you would, as a pastor to preach to the whole congregation right now. A reporter asked a couple a long time ago, How'd you manage to stay together for 65 years? And here's what the woman replied. We were born in a time when if something was broken, we would fix it, not throw it away. I want to embrace the idea that my marriage, my relationship, my love is not disposable. When I stood on that cold December night and took my vows and made my vows to my wife. It was to have and to hold, for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death parts us. That responsibility is upon me, and that responsibility is upon my wife. It is the ultimate two-way street. Amen. How do I ever learn something if I give up every time something difficult happens? I've shared this story with you before, but years ago... I belong to a gym. That makes me laugh just thinking about it, but <clears throat> I did. I belonged to a gym here in town. And uh, the problem was I never went to the gym. My kids were much smaller at the time, and my wife would be driving with the kids when I wasn't with them, and she would drive by the gym, and she would say, Kids, wave at the gym that Daddy donates his money to. But every once in a while, I'd, I'd kind of have a, a morning when I'd get up and think, yeah, this is the day. I'm, mm, let's get after it. So I'd pack up my gym clothes and I'd go to the gym. Some of you have heard me use this example before. Uh, I, I remember walking in time after time into the gym. Well, that's exaggerated. A few times. 
And, you know, there were guys in there that looked very different than me. Uh, you know, I know you probably look at me and think, yeah, Jim, obvious. But they, you would look at them and say, oh, yeah, they, this is not their first time here. And um, it always has amazed me that gyms have mirrors everywhere. Man, I'd watch guys, and they'd be pumping iron, and they'd get done, and they'd walk up to the <laughs> mirror and do all that stuff. And uh, meanwhile, Tim would walk in, and I'd get on the treadmill, set it at about 2.4, start walking. And... Uh, can you imagine if I was to go into the gym and, you know, Brutus Beefcake is over here pumping all this iron and I sit down on the, the bench press bench and I take out an ink pen. Oh, yeah. Woo. It's burning, but it feels good. I would get stranger looks than I already got at the gym. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because this puts no stress on me. None. None. I can curl this all day long, and it does not stress me out. But if you give me 15 pounds, 20 pounds, and say, here, pastor, curl it, I may try to act like it's no problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good to see you, man. Yeah, I'm here a lot. Oh. But here's the, here's the thing, folks. I want you to hear this. Through all of the, the fun of this, it's the stress that builds something in you. It's the difficulty that builds something in your marriage, if you handle it correctly. This is why Paul talked about it being formed and, and not just throwing it away when it gets tough, but, but moving through and, and pushing through and letting God knock off some rough edges. Is there anybody here? You don't have to wave at me, but I think I kind of know this is true. Who has ever gone through some stuff in your marriage and you realize, God, you're trying to work on me. You're trying to do something in me. You're trying to perfect something inside of me and it's tough right now and it doesn't feel good, but I'm I want to learn to ask the question over and over again, God, what are you wanting to teach me right now? What are you wanting to teach me through the difficult season? What are you trying to perfect in me right now? Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning, please. Stacy, our marriage is bigger than you and me. I'm not going to try and change you too much. <laughs> We're going to help each other get better. I'm staying with you. Good times? Bad times, morning breath times. 
We're in this together. I want to show you one more thing on the screen. I love the way Thomas Wilder said it. I didn't marry you because you were perfect. I didn't even marry you because I loved you. I married you because you gave me a promise. That promise made up for your faults. That promise I gave you made up for mine. Two imperfect people got married. It was a promise that made it a marriage. When our children were growing up, it wasn't a house that protected them. It wasn't our love that protected them. It was that promise. That promise. Again, I know that there are people at every different station of life in, in, in this reality right now. But I want us to pray for our relationships. I want us to pray for our love relationships. Because if there's something the enemy wants to capsize, it's love. If there's something the enemy wants to misrepresent, it's love. Watch this. Watch this, folks. Because the Bible does not say that God loves. The Bible says God is love. And so if you and I can embrace false ideas about love, we embrace false ideas about God. This is why prayer for our relationships is so vitally important. So here's what I'd like you to do. If, if your spouse is here with you, I wish you would just connect with them right now. Praise God. Strong marriages build strong homes. And strong homes build strong churches. God, we're lifting up our voice today. I wish some people that know how to pray would lift up your voice with me. We're lifting up our voice today. After preaching and declaring and hearing from others about this all-important love relationship, we recognize, we recognize this morning, Lord, that our love relationships are in the bullseye of the enemy right now. There's nothing that the enemy would want to do more than to misrepresent love and get us believing falsehoods about love, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will give every man and woman, every married couple, God, every engaged couple, every person desiring at some point to be married, God, an understanding of the truth about love. Oh, Jesus, we need that today. I need that in my home, Lord. I need that in my life and in my marriage today. God, none of us are perfect. We're just imperfect people trying to model you and your relationship with your church to this world. And I pray you'd help us to do it in a way that represents you well, Lord. I thank you for helping us right now. I thank you for touching every newly married couple, Lord. I pray a blessing on every elder couple in this room right now, Jesus. Lord, help us to learn from one another. Lord, help us to mutually submit, Lord. And I'm going to thank you for that, doing that in advance. Lord, breathe truth inside of us. When we're in our quiet moments, when it's just you and us, Lord, speak truth into us, Lord. Don't leave me alone believing falsehoods, Lord. But help me to be impressed with the truth. And I thank you for that, Lord. I give you the praise. I pray that every assignment the enemy would have against couples in this church, 
by the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name Jesus, we say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. You will not have a further foothold. There will not be a digression, but there will be a progress, I pray, strength as we do the hard work, Lord, and mutually submit. Help, help, I pray, Lord. Give us grace in the moments where we're, we're weary, Lord. I thank you for that. I give you praise, glory, and all of the honor in the name of Jesus. Praise God. If you know this song, sing it out. It really is an anthem for love. I want to live the way He wants me to live. I want to give until there's just no more to give. I want to love, love till there's just no more love. I could never, ever out love the Lord. Is that your prayer? I want us to sing it out as a prayer this morning. I want to live, come on, let's sing it, the way, I want to live the way He wants me to live. That's our prayer, Lord Jesus, I want to give until there's just no more to give. I want to love, love to I could never, ever out love the Lord. I want to give you something that you can remember this week before we leave. In just a moment, I'm going to step by the front door. I want to greet you when you leave today. This week, without doubt, you're going to pass some vehicles as you're driving or out and about. And they're going to be wrapped. Some of you know what I'm talking about. People who wrap their cars in marketing campaigns or maybe their truck in a marketing campaign and every time you see their vehicle you think heat and air schwans true green you know why they're doing it because they want you to think that they want you to go home at night and look at your wife and say we really do need to treat the front lawn these pork chops really have been bad we need to upgrade our meat selection. They're wanting to get that in your brain. So when you need it, you know who to call. I'm praying that every time we see that this week, we will remember that our marriages and our love relationships are a constant billboard to this world of Christ and his relationship with his church. Hey, hey, we're representing something bigger than us. And I want people, when they get by themselves and they're talking and they're trying to look for any consistent example in the world, to remember back to an example they saw in a couple. Say, give them strength. If they can do it, we can do it. We're a billboard of Christ and His church. Amen. Amen. I pray this is a great, great Sunday for you, a great Valentine's Day tomorrow.
Amen. We appreciate you so very, very much. And I, I trust that the word of the Lord has found a lodging place today. I hope before you leave, you'll get by and say hello to the Hicks. They're going to be stepping across into the Life Center and teaching some of our teachers. We're having lunch together uh, with them next door, do some training. We're so thankful and honored to have them. I hope you'll get by, especially you parents of kids. Thank them for their investment in our church this weekend. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed whenever you would like. Thank you for coming to New Life today.